Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Missions or ministry training facility in the world, <laughs> CBC, where we went. He was there at the same time Amy and I were, so we knew him in, in CBC. He was there at the same time, and Mike was a legend on campus um, in a good way, mostly, in a good way. And um, also, after that, he was Adrian's youth pastor, and he survived that traumatic experience, and so I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah, she survived that traumatic experience. Now, Mike is an incredible guy, and so we've known him for a long, long time. He does, like, the coolest missions job in the world. He gets to take teams into unreached places or difficult-to-reach places around the world, a lot in Africa, but other places, and goes into unreached places and shares the gospel. And so Mike's done a great job, and so we're really excited to have him this morning. So would you give a big Calvary welcome this morning to Mike and Cheshire? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk to Jesus. Good morning, Lord. We love you. You are worthy of all praise, of all honor, of all adoration. Be blessed by your children today as we celebrate you. You, Lord. Savior, friend. Master, I love you so very much. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so happy to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you for such a a wonderful welcome. Undeserved. If you knew me, you would know that. But I appreciate it nonetheless. I know you've got a burn guy today before Thanksgiving, and you have a burn guy after Thanksgiving, and I know why. Because Thanksgiving is a season for roasted turkeys. You guys are thematically on point. Dave Reaver is probably one of the best tools that God has been using in America for decades for reaching uh, military. Uh, You've got a real gem coming. Uh, Don't miss it. Don't let your friends miss it. He is phenomenal, flat out, uh, and a hero to me. Just got back from Kenya. We had a great time. Uh, chasing sinners and uh, running from uh, lions and leopards. Uh, We are hard to define. Everybody likes terms. Everybody everybody likes to be defined in certain terms, who they are, what their title is, and those kinds of things. And, you know, I I love missions. I do missions. We spend uh, probably four months out of a year uh, in an overseas context, doing missions. We have an orphanage uh, with 18 kids that we take care of completely. Um, their parents were uh, murdered or died. Uh, they are not on this planet anymore, and without us being in their life, we don't know if they would be able to survive, and we get to enjoy being a parent to them, along with partners in America that literally adopt financially each one of those kids. Um, they've taken on the responsibility not as a, a magnet on a, on a 
a refrigerator, but rather treating this as if they have another child in another country and taking on the responsibility of seeing them all the way into college. It's an incredible investment of commitment, and people do that. We have 18 kids that we're taking care of in this way, and God is moving and shaking and doing beautiful things in context there. Uh, we have also uh, a missionary training school for Kenyans that will go there and become missionaries to uh, other areas. We needed to raise uh, some $40,000 in order to build this school. All of that money's been raised. It's done. Uh, and we're putting that school together. And we anticipate that in the next six to eight months, we'll be able to start our first students there. And we became so very aware of how important it was um, because during COVID, uh, the plane shut down. We couldn't go. We couldn't get to our areas of influence to share Jesus. And we've done a great job as a missions group of going out and reaching uh, people for Jesus in lots and lots of different countries. But I'm not sure we've done a great job of reproducing ourselves in those countries and making more missionaries and, and, and giving folks the addiction of going and chasing folks that don't know about the Lord. And so the Lord really laid it on my heart before COVID and after um, the shutdowns and everything, it was just obvious that this was the line that he wanted to accomplish because from Kenya, uh, it's a centralized place in East Africa. Um, you could walk, it'd take a while, but you could walk the entire continent. There's nothing that would be unattainable for those missionaries. And so we're trying to raise up missionaries in Kenya to reach every part of Africa. We also have our exploration and church planting. We've been privileged to be a part of planting over 200 churches. I've had the joy of raising up almost every single one of those congregations with evangelism in the bush. This time we were able to start the process of raising up congregations to meet under trees for three to five different churches. One of them already robust enough that a friend here in the States has given the money to build that church, about 3500 bucks. And so we're going to build that church for them. Just awesome. Reaching out to people that have never heard about Jesus, not even once. They've never heard him as a cuss word. They didn't know he had a holiday. No clue. And being able to introduce them to the name, the name above every name, the only name by which man might be saved. It's awesome. Some of them know about a God. They didn't know he had a son, they tell me. They didn't know how to reach him, they tell me. And all it took were some motorbikes and some crazy people. We arrived at our camp this time, and uh, we were setting up our tents and looked up, and there was an impala hanging in a tree, not a car, but an animal. <laughs> and the way that impalas get in trees, they're not very good at climbing. They're like deer. They get in trees because they were placed there by big leopards. So we pulled the Impala down and drug it off out of our camp. And that night, that 
mean hombre came looking for his placed meal. He's sitting in the bush. And we're like, it's over there. It's awesome. Elephants come right by your camp, and if they wanted to, they could smarsh you. You hear them in the night, sleeping behind a, a thin layer of canvas from your tent, and hearing hyenas, ooh, ah, something special. Breaking down your tent and rolling them up only to find scorpions underneath and having to be a little careful. I typically don't kill things just to kill things unless I'm going to eat it. And I've eaten scorpions, but they're not high on my list. They're crunchy and have a little bit of a bitter aftertaste, to be honest. Not that you care. I just thought I'd tell you. And so typically, I'll just kick them out of the camp and let them go on about their business and do whatever scorpions do. We do that. It was awesome. In this manner of going and, and sleeping in tents and carrying our food out there and taking four-wheel drive vehicles, and when they couldn't go anymore taking motorbikes, we saw 1,440 people accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We arrived to one village, and, and we walked in, and there was a man there that was blind. His uh, right eye was crushed. I have to remember what I was looking at. It looked like a prune. It was dried up, had ridges all over it. And the reason that it was like that is because thorns, they have thorns on all the trees. They'll pierce the eye, and it'll drain. The other eye was completely calcimated. He was completely blind. He had no toenails on his feet from stubbing his feet walking in the rocks. We told him about Jesus. He accepted Jesus. <coughs> and then we told him Jesus heals. And he was willing to believe and I held that man's face in my hands. He let a stranger Hold his face. And I prayed for him. In the name of Jesus. And I told him, I want you to see. And in a matter of seconds, mere minutes, he opened his eyes. And through that damage, he said, I see you. We celebrated, but we left. And the next day, he sent word that he wanted to come to church. We were meeting under a tree. We told him where to go. The next day was Sunday. He got up and walked. A blind man walked five kilometers through the bush to a tree where we were meeting for church. And when he arrived, we scarce recognized him because both eyes had been remade. Remade. They 
had color. They were clear. They were beautiful. And he said, I need prayer because all this light is hard for me to manage. Miracles. We do this. Children's ministry. I am not a children's minister. That's not my gifting, Adrian. It is not. But you know what? Any, any port in a storm kind of deal. We had a children's minister lined up. He decided to wait till the last minute to get his passport. Do you know how long it takes to get a passport these days? About six months. Really frustrating. Thanks, America. So I find out two weeks before we go that our children's minister is a no-show. So what do I have to do? I have to come up with motion songs. <laughs> right? I'm gray enough I should not have to dance. <laughs> we come up with an entire program for kids and hold a children's crusade and revival for 400 plus children. Many of whom were baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, many of whom rededicated their life to Jesus. It was awesome. And we take people with us that are just like you. They just go to church and they love Jesus and they want to be a part and we take them and they share Jesus. And they're a real part. They're not spectators. They're participants. And it's awesome. But that's our mission side. The other side of what I do is I share Jesus in the States. I share my testimony. It's very evangelistic. I love doing that. And so this morning, you might have come to be entertained with stories. I hope the stories that I've shared so far are enjoyable. But that's not why you're here. You're here because I'm going to try and challenge you. I want to challenge you. You see, I am blessed I am at an advantage being a man who is burned and having at my disposal an arsenal of testimonies and experiences to share Jesus. And as a result, I'm also blessed that you enable me to do it. As you support, this church has actually provided one of the motorcycles, at least through the pastor and through the leadership, provided one of the motorcycles that literally took us to villages to share Jesus to people who never knew he existed. No clue they could be saved. And y'all provided the wheels to get there. Thank you. Thank you so very much. I'm advantaged in this way. And I've caught a glimpse of the glory of service. I am thoroughly addicted. I get on the plane to go and I'm giddy to get there. I get on the plane to come home and I'm sorry, I'm leaving. I get off the plane when I come home and I'm looking forward to the next time I get to hold a blind man's face in my hands. And you are enablers to my addiction. And I'm thankful. But I don't just want you to enable my addiction. I also want you yourself to be productive. See, the, the, the fields are ready for harvest, but there are more fields than I could ever put my hands on. 
There's more blind people than I could ever visit in my lifetime. There's more folks that don't know Jesus than I could ever find their ear to put the message in. You see, we as a church are supposed to collectively handle the responsibility of service. And there's plenty of sinners here in America. You need only look at how our culture is moving to know that we are inundated with people that do not love God but love themselves more than Him. That's not a cheap shot. It's just simply that our movements in America are reflective not of the biblical standards but of human focus. So there's sinners around you. So I actually want you productive, not just to get on a plane and go with me to do something insane. But I want you productive in your areas of influence, where you live, who it is you're speaking to. I want you to be busy for Jesus. I've had the opportunity of sharing in a lot of different contexts. It's not just a missionary context, not just in overseas. I've, I've witnessed all over America when we were in Bible school. My favorite thing to do was to go on the weekends and, and minister, putting that, that knowledge to practical application, talking to people that don't look like me, smell like me, act like me, and try and introduce them to something better than the sin they're wallowing in. I've ministered to every color, every race, every creed, every type of person, to witches, and even folks that said they were vampires. Very strange. They glued prosthetic teeth, pointy little teeth, in their mouth and bit each other. Really? Pick a different pastime, my friend. Uh, of course, I, I bet that settled down since COVID. <laughs> I, I bet they're like, pop those suckers right out. We're not biting anybody right now. Good gravy. No, sir. I've been in homes and, and uh, ministered an entire service to one person that was unable to leave their house. And thoroughly enjoyed myself. I've ministered to crowds of 5,000 and more from truck beds and trailers and stages and makeshift places of elevation to get my shining face way up where everybody can see it. Ministered in small groups while wearing backpacks, hiking, and trying to find folks in three different continents. I've had a joy of, of chasing sinners in all kinds of different places, ministered in, in villages to a few and, and then up to even 11 and 12 and 13 times a day, sharing the message of Jesus Christ. And in America, I've served as a pastor, youth pastor, senior pastor, associate pastor, never a music pastor. Thank God. You don't want that. <laughs> I've enjoyed every moment of service. It's not about the what you're doing where, but it's just about the what you're doing. Talking about this, this master, this savior, this friend, that while we were yet sinners, cared enough about us to love us, that died for us, when we were undeserving of it, paid a penalty that we deserved so we wouldn't have to, so that we could enter freely into an unmerited relationship with God. 
Anybody that thinks you deserve it, you're wrong. We, each one of us, undeserving of this unimaginable love of our Savior. We're enjoying a, a rightness with God that should have lent us to destruction rather than to friendship. I've loved to talk about it. I've loved to bask in his presence. Enjoy the warmth of just being near him. A spiritual ministry of recovering my soul from the taint that's around us all the time. And there's so many that don't know this. Now, why am I telling you all these things? It's to tell you this. By any means necessary, I want to see somebody saved. Whether I have to walk to them or ride a motorcycle to them or take a four-wheel drive vehicle to them or take a plane to them or swim to them. We've done all of this. Whatever it takes, I want someone to be introduced to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. By whatever means necessary. In this way, I've learned to be extremely flexible in how I minister, but thoroughly rigid on what it is I'm sharing. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the good news, the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Share with them in the blessings of the gospel. What is the blessings of the gospel? It is to know the hope of salvation, that God would forgive us, make us right with him, and destine us for an eternity in his presence rather than an eternity separated from him in hell. This has been a challenging season for our country and for the world. And we're looking ahead to more of it. If you believe that the attacks against Christianity and believers will subside, you are gravely mistaken. I can tell you that the atmosphere, the environment towards Christianity and true believers in Christ is growing cooler by the day worldwide. What you see in this country is mirrored around the world. It is said, as it goes in Rome, so it goes with the rest of the world. Well, I tell you, we have replaced her as it goes in the States. It goes around the rest of the world. It does. Not because we are all that and a bag of Doritos. 
but it is because we are most visible and people follow what they see. The world is unfortunately inundated with the culture of our country. And as our country has become more combative towards the message of Jesus, as our country has become more combative to those who would love God, as our country has become more combative to those who would be loyal to her nation, the world has followed suit. And worldwide, we are seeing persecution on the rise. This is fact. This will not subside, it will only increase. But in the face of all of this, we still have a mandate from God. The mission does not change. We are required to share the good news, to join Paul in endeavoring that for the sake of the gospel, we might win some so as to share with them in its blessings of eternal life. We must share the gospel. We, not I. I do it already. I'm driven to it. I can't not share. My joy is complete in sharing the message of the cross. My savior, my healer, my friend. We, you, friend, are given a responsibility of sharing the gospel. You say, well, I'm just not sure. The Bible says it in this way. Jesus said unto his disciples, go, make disciples of all nations, what? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Oh, what does that mean? Whatever responsibility he laid at the feet of the disciples becomes the responsibility of those who join with them in belief. As we become believers, as we become followers of Christ, we take on the mantle of responsibility that the disciples themselves shouldered as well which was to share the gospel, to lay hands on the sick, to baptize, to go into all the world. This is not just my responsibility or the responsibility of other missionaries you may support. This is your responsibility. And all the world surely does indeed include your schools, your workplace, your communities, your neighborhoods, your marketplaces. See, as I shared earlier, there's more souls than I can ever reach. There's more blind people than I could ever get my hands on their faces. What does that mean? If it can't be done by me, it's got to be done by us. The me becomes a we and we become productive together, affecting change. Where one could do so very little, many can do more. We're mandated by God to carry the message of hope to a lost and dying world. Hopelessness is on the rise in light of these controls, these frustrations, these mandates, these global changes that are taking place. Folks are losing their hope. The 
the American dream has become a thing unreachable by most folks. So we become purveyors of hope. What is that hope? That hope that this world is not all there is. That there's another place, a better place, set aside for we who believe in him, that we would enjoy it. The message and the mission cannot be derailed by pandemics, mandates, government restrictions, or otherwise. There is, and I'll say it very clearly, there is no circumstance in which the message of the cross and the resurrection becomes something we are no longer responsible for. There is no circumstance in which the message of the cross and the resurrection becomes a thing we are no longer responsible for. Whether we fall under government persecution, whether it's made illegal, no circumstance merits our silence in regard to these things. First Corinthians 9.16 We talk about the mandate of the gospel and the drive that is upon the believer. Paul says it this way, if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me. If I do not preach the gospel, see, friend, I was burned. I still bear the marks, but I was killed by burns. I died five times with these burns. Jesus' name was spoken over me. Belief was placed in his person, and he raised me up. He rescued me. He resuscitated me after 40 minutes of being deceased. He restored my life, resurrected me. He walked with me through every circumstance of my needs, restoring me, encouraging me, strengthening me, I am bound to him because I am acutely aware of what he's done for me. Now I look in the mirror and I have an advantage over your beautiful people because I look in the mirror and I am reminded of the power of God every morning. When I shave what's left of my face, I am reminded of the potency of the name of Jesus. But no less has been done for you than has been done for me. It's just more obvious. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. You were separated from God, unable to be reconciled by your own power and way. It took Jesus dying for you while you were a sinner expressing his love for you to give you an opportunity to be made right, being made right by belief on him. You see, he resurrected you from a position of being dead spiritually. You bear upon your spirit the marks of separation. The scars left by sin and sinful activity by Things that are not good. Wickedness. And you may not see it when you get up and shave, but friend, 
It's there when you meditate on these things. You too have an obligation. It should be for you as it is for me, even though it's more obvious for me. I have an advantage. It should be for you the same, where you would say, woe be unto me if I do not share the message. Because I was dead, but I am now alive. For any believer sitting here this morning, that's your story. Woe be unto us if we do not share this message. See, we as believers are compelled with this message. We should be, if we understand anything about what God has done for us, we should be oath-bound, driven to share this incredible story. But it's so easy to lose focus. The comforts and trappings of our life drawing our attention away from what's more important. We take on this challenge, but oftentimes people forget what it's about. Losing sight of the message, we become so fixated on the method. Galatians chapter 1 says it in this way, I'm astonished. Verse 6, I'm astonished. You're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you another gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you have received, let him be cursed. You see, we must remember the basis of hope. Paul is speaking to these folks who have so quickly forgotten the message. The message is everyone's lost, everyone's separated, everyone in your school, everyone in your community, everyone in your place of work, all of your neighbors. Without Jesus, they are going to hell. We shared it in the the Sunday school class this morning. Jesus says, I am the door. No one comes to the Father except through me. Without the message of Christ, there is no salvation. There is only separation from God. The clarity of that drives me to do all that I can while I have the strength to do it. If the ignorant could be saved, if in truth... Jesus' name was not necessary to save a man, but that God would extend some kind of a a grace for all those who do not know. Then I am doing a tremendous disservice to go and make people responsible for Jesus' name if they could be saved without it. I'm doing a terrible thing, not a good thing. 
If I am making people responsible for something that isn't necessary for salvation, that only makes it harder. No, friend. The scriptures are clear. Everyone is separated from God. And without the application of belief in Jesus' resurrection and in him being the son of God, being raised by God from the dead, there cannot be salvation. It cannot be done by any other means. Oprah is wrong. There are not other ways up the mountain. There are no roads. There's no mountain to climb. There's a void between God's holiness and man's lostness. It cannot be traversed. It has to only be covered by the blood of Christ. And if that blood is not applied, there is no chance of salvation. This is the truth. And so for our part, as we become aware that we were once lost in our, our trespasses and sin, that God raised us from the dead spiritually, giving us a born-again status from death to life. We see ourselves as obligated to him. So what happens when you're obligated to someone? Their important things become your important things. When I married my wife, I became someone who was interested in what was important to her. If you're not interested in your spouse's thoughts, dreams, ideas, your marriage stinks. It's a bad one, and you should be ashamed of yourself to be so selfish in a partnership. When I got married, I had to become thoughtful about what was important to her because I became obligated to her. It mattered what was important to her. And I stopped living only for myself, but I lived for her well-being as well. That is a poor example of the obligation we have to the Lord. Because when we, when we become married to the Lord, by virtue of being brought into the family by the application of the blood of Christ, cleansing us of our sin and separation from God, at that point, we should become interested in what's important. So what is important to them? Well, Jesus said, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. So what's important to him becomes important to us. But we lose sight of this. We lose sight of the gospel. We lose sight of the mission. And we become fixated on things that are just not so important. But the chiefest of importance for us as Christians is to make sure the message of salvation gets to as many people as possible. Romans 10 says this. For Moses writes about the righteousness is based in the law and that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness is based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim because if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the criteria for inclusion in the family of God. 
to bridge the problem of separation from him. Confession and belief. For with the heart one believes and unjustified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture said, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, that's the promise. That's the message. That's the good news. You don't have to be separate from God anymore. Your neighbor doesn't have to be separate from God anymore. The kids in your class at school, they don't have to be separate from God anymore. There's been put in place a bridge to cross the void between holiness and us. That's, that's, that's Jesus. If we believe and confess, we can be saved. But the gospel presents to us the chiefest problem here in the scripture, it says this, how can they call on him if they've not believed? How can they believe in him if they've not heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching or telling them? And how do they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the good news. We've read that verse. We've talked about that verse. We've heralded that verse. We put it on banners and t-shirts. But do you understand that God wrote the Bible, right? And he is making a declaration of beauty, which is a declaration of attraction. A desirability. That's what beautiful is. Read it again as a declaration from the Lord. Read it again knowing that the Lord wrote this letter to us. God would say, how attractive, how desirable are the feet of those that take the gospel. I don't know about you, but for myself, I want to be attractive to my God. I want to be desirable to my God. I want to live in such a way that I bring him tremendous pleasure with my life. And I am told here in no uncertain terms that can be accomplished if I'm sharing the good news. But they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes. Through the word of Christ. You see, the gospel is so incredibly simple. We are separated. Jesus succeeded. He won. And we can be near now. It's that easy. We're separated from God. Jesus came and succeeded, was victorious. He won. And now we can get near to God through him. So easy. So easy. Philippians says this, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between these two things. And like uh, for myself, I totally feel Paul on this one. I'm like, I'm like my brother. <laughs> I got you right here. I'm hard-pressed what to choose, whether to stay here or to go. 
I got my family. I got my kids. I like them. I got my wife. She's soft. I like her. But then heaven, though, (laughs) eternity with God, an end to the pain I've known every day, an end to the funny looks, an end to the rejection, an end to the heat or the extreme colds, which we're gearing up for right now. Peace. Peace. That's what waits for me. But yet there are those who don't have that opportunity. There are people who are dying without the knowledge of Christ. And for them, those promises are not in place. They're going to hell. They're going to be separated from God forever. They're going to be in a place of torment that wasn't even made for them. It was made for the devil and his angels, we're told. But they are there because they are allied with him instead of God. So for my part, even though I am an enjoyer, the hope, the blessed hope, and the promise of a day of rapture and calling. But if not, then an eternity of peace after my passing. I don't want to hurry that day along because there are folks who will not enjoy such a thing, but they might if I can win some by any means necessary. Verse 27, let your life, the manner of your life, be worthy of the gospel. Wow. Worthy. Let your life, the manner. Be worthy of the gospel. Christ died. How do you do that? How can you accomplish that? I've I've done a lot for Jesus. Join with Morris Plotz, a great missionary of our faith, and said, I'm an unprofitable servant. In light of what has been done for me, I've done so very little in return. Let your life manner of it be worthy of the gospel of Christ. We've been entrusted. God, for whatever reason, I question his choice because I know me. He chose to make me responsible for his message. I'm undependable at best. I have tendencies to be selfish. I get distracted easy. I'm going along, squirrel. I mean, it's, it's my nature. 
I have a thousand hobbies and I'm a master of none of them. I'm undependable at best. But the Lord laid the gospel message on me. And I have to do my very best to carry that well. I'm being honest with you. Sometimes I question his choice. I don't even like me sometimes. I get incredibly frustrated with me. When I've been saddled with the obligations the disciples had, and I see how poorly I've gotten that done. There are times I've served me instead of serving this message. A lot of times. I can do better. I only realize I can't set this mission aside. I can only endeavor to figure out how to do it wherever I am and by whatever means that are available to me. Whatever circumstances I find myself in, I have a responsibility to share the gospel with whoever will listen. See, it's not just me. It's true for you as well. By whatever circumstance you find yourself in, being faithful to this simple message, we were separated, Christ succeeded, and now we can be near. I want you productive for our king. I pray that you'll all do more than I've ever done. I pray one day maybe you'll hold a blind man's face in your hands and watch him crack a crooked smile as sight comes once again. And I hope you can be in that moment to realize God just overwhelmed all your shortcomings and moved through you anyway. Catherine Coleman used to say she was a happy observer to the divine wonder. Meaning she was there and she prayed, but it was God that did it. One day you can experience such a thing. I pray that you'll actively search out how to apply yourself to the mission. Regardless of the environment you find yourself in. If you are an unproductive Christian. I rebuke your lack of obligation. as a servant of Jesus Christ, as an emissary from the throne of God, how can you not do something for the one that did everything? Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, my Lord, my Master, and my God, I pray you are honored and glorified.
Lord, what you have done is so tremendous, so kind, so good. I pray that you would cut our hearts to the quick and make us a better people. Lord, represent you well. Do what we may for your kingdom. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, friend, you are one of those who are assigned to separation from God. I'm sorry, but I can't tell you anything else to make you feel good. If you haven't believed and confessed in Jesus, you are separated and you are destined to a place of torment and horror, and I don't want that for you. Now, I've encapsulated the message here that Jesus came and he he lived perfectly and he died for us. That he rose again, showing himself victorious, and he made a tremendous offer. He said, anybody that would believe on me and confess me as their Lord, I'll save them. You'll be assigned to glory. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want that for you. The criteria the Bible lays down is that you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth that he's Lord. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand where I can see it. We're going to pray together. Is there anyone that would say, Mikey, I am not straight with God and I want to be. I need to get this right. Awesome. There's none of us. Now, if you're here this morning and you say, I owe God an apology because I haven't endeavored to carry this gospel in a meaningful way. And you say, I'm ready to be responsible for this message. I'm ready to honor his work with the words from my mouth about it. If that's you, I ask you to join with me and just say amen. Are we ready to share the message of the cross? Amen. Are we ready to honor this king of glory who left his station in heaven, his comforts of his kingdom and had added to himself flesh, suffering as we do, living as we do, dying an undeserved death, raising again. Are we ready to celebrate this king of glory and share his message? Amen. Are we unsatisfied to know that our neighbor may not know Jesus? Are we unsatisfied to to sit idly in our classrooms or in our workspace knowing the person next to us may be going to hell? Amen? That's so weak. Let's try it again. Are we unsatisfied to know that our neighbor or the person sitting next to us in our workplace or our school are assigned to hell. Amen? 
Will we be responsible and share the gospel at every opportunity? Amen? That by any means, we may save some. Amen? If you're here and you need prayer, you got something going on in your life, you have a sickness or anything like that, I want to pray for you. It'll be my joy to couple my faith with yours and ask the Lord to do something incredible. But I pray this weighs heavy on you today. This altar is open. If you need to come and pray, just asking the Lord to show you the ways by which you may apply yourself to his cause. This altar will be open for you. I'll join with you and pray. Pastor's here. Staff is here. I pray you'll wear this. I pray this will be a shaping day for you. The simplicity of the gospel and the obligation to share it will be front and center and set the trajectory of your daily life. I love you and I want you well. Have an excellent day in the Lord. Pastor, thank you.